It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to Ball Talk, baby. We are back on this fine Sunday night, 5.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Chaz, Chaz's Raiders didn't just lose to the, to the Jets. And he's very happy because by transitive property, he would have had to be a Jets fan. That's not um, true. I will never support the, the juvenile Jets that they play in the NFL. It's a disrespect to the city of New York that they wear that name. And I don't believe they belong. But uh, thank goodness Henry Ruggs actually finally did something. Yeah, I'm sitting here crying because uh, my Tennessee Titans lost to the Browns and there was a big man touch. But they had a good, valiant comeback. But, man, that onside kick kind of made me sad. But it happened. So we had a whole episode written out today. It was going to be nice. It was going to be calm. Everything was going to be fine. And then Harden walked in and said, crank it to 100. Let's go, baby. Harden was spotted at the Bloom Restaurant in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, really quick. Saturday night, partying with Lil Baby, despite the fact he was supposed to be in Houston for practice on Sunday. The NBA released health and safety guidelines that are are essentially no partying, soft lockdown, all that stuff. If you don't follow them, your team or players can be fined, suspended, or docked draft picks. That came out on Friday, and on Saturday he was out partying. He gone. So first, Harden was not in Houston for practice. He's gone. He was in Las Vegas. So he's gone. He was partying. He's gone, right? He skipped practice. Okay, so he's gone, gone. And you're going to tell me he's not about to get traded for peanuts. This is nuts. This is nuts. Actually, peanuts are the gooms, but... I know we ran through a lot of trade scenarios last pod, but his value probably just tanked. I imagine all the same the same packages will be there, but like take out like two draft picks. Drew Holiday is about to get traded for more than, than James Harden did. Oh, my goodness gracious. Everyone yeah. just knows he's not going to play for Houston. You see this? It's a signal that he's he's not – he skipped practice. He directly disobeyed guidelines. I, I think every team is looking at this and saying, oh, okay, he's not going to go play for Houston. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I crazy there, Chaz? You seeing that too? No, I mean, this is definitely a bad look for James and the Rockets. They got a new head coach this year, bringing a lot of new pieces, and you definitely don't want your star player out disrespecting the league's guidelines and not reporting to the first day of training camp for a team that's in theory supposed to be trying to put a run together. So yeah, I definitely think this is a point to the direction that he should be out of here. And then I don't even know if some of those packages are on the table. Like if I'm Philadelphia, I don't see a need to give up Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid right now. You beat me to the take. What do you? But I'm yeah, no, I, I, I think that the, here's the thing. I was listening to Bill Russell pod, and I, 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 I find myself I always land up agreeing with Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe because I feel like they're just really smart guys. And this time I didn't agree with Bill until the Harden fiasco just happened, the strip club fiasco, the partying fiasco. James Hart, like, if I'm Philadelphia, do I want to trade a pick at this point? Like, look at this. Like, his value just depreciated to, like, nothing. Like, he's not going to play. This, this Houston team is missing two future first-round picks. 
I'm looking at them and I'm saying, I have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Take one. Give me Harden. Shrug my shoulders. Maybe, maybe I'll put in Danny Green and I'll take back Eric Gordon. Shrug my shoulders. Oh, you want to go get like picks from somebody? Good luck. None. You're not getting more than three. Everyone knows that he's gone. No one's paying that premium for him. You're going to tell me that you're not just going to take Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and just be competitive until you have your own draft picks again. That that's not happening. We all know. We all know that he's that that's a win for that. We all know that getting off the Eric Gordon contract and getting a player like Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, that's the best deal they're going to get. So I think Philly's just going to sit back, kick their feet up and probably like I don't know, take a little nap, wait for Tillman Fertito to freak out. Yeah, I mean, if I'm in Philadelphia right now or really anywhere else across the league, I think this, all this does is gives a lot of teams more of a chance to get Harden because I think the Rockets are now just going to be looking to try to dump salary with him and mm-hmm. see him how many picks they can get because someone I still think will give up picks. Let's not just oh, picks definitely, but I mean, I don't know anyone's going to give up five. Yeah, no. Let's definitely keep in mind that James Harden is a recent MVP of the league, 35 point per game. He's an automatic bucket, and so. They're not just going to give him away for pennies, regardless if he wants to play or doesn't want to play in Houston. I don't think they're the type of organization that are just going to – they'd rather have him on roster and not play than trade him for nothing, I think. That's so, true. That's very true. That's something I'm I didn't in, think about enough. That's true. If I'm in Philadelphia right now, I'm trying to put together a package that looks something like Tobias Harris and Danny Green for Harden Horford and how many picks do you want? Because I don't think I'm giving up Simmons or Embiid because it's – is someone that he's he's going to leave, and you're not going to get a high-quality player for many teams right now in exchange for James Harden, I don't think. That's so true. I think Tobias, Harris, Tobias Harris might actually be the best player that's on the trade market right now for James Harden, if he is. That's what I, I'm still think, I still think the Bucks should try and give up, like, Middleton for him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Like, that that's, wow. Those are the next stuff, guys, that I think. The only real deals that could be made, you talked a little bit about the Boston one, so I think Kemba's on the table. And then it's really like Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris. Those are the best players on those level contracts that you can match with James on teams that have. And the Bucks don't have many picks to give up now, so the Chris Middleton deal would be really hard, I think, for them to do. The Tobias or the Kemba one is the most likely for now, but I, I really don't want to think about James Harden with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So if for me it's Tobias Harris... And if not, they're just going to sit on him for a little while. But when they do move him, and it, it will be a when, it should open up a playoff spot in the Western Conference. And there's a few teams that made some offseason moves to try to make a run at that playoff spot. One of them in particular, I know you're pretty hot on. Or not that hot on, but they got a lot of national TV games, so we got to talk about them. New Orleans Pelicans made a lot oh, of moves. Man. You want to give a quick quick recap? All right, I'll give a quick rebound. I'll give a quick recap of this. So they traded Drew Holiday for the mother load. They got George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, three first-round picks and two pick swaps. They then took one of those first-round picks and George Hill and got into a three-team trade with the Denver Nuggets and Oklahoma City Thunder that would give them back Steven Adams. That's it. They then signed him to a $35 million two-year extension for some reason – even though they have Jackson Hayes, no spacing, a weird fit next to Zion and Ingram, no one is rushing to sign Stephen Adams to a con- and no one is rushing to sign Stephen Adams to a contract that pays him more than Clint Capella. They have an insane amount of future picks now, though. 
this is the third um, day five-year max Brandon Ingram with no option, which is really good for them. Like having Brandon Ingram locked in for five years because at worst you can trade him for value. He's a good player. I, I just don't know what they're doing though with the lineup. You know, I'm a believer in trying to put out a good product, but they they have Jackson Hayes at the center and his fit next to next to Zion is weird. So then they bring in Steven Adams who doesn't, play like you expect Jackson Hayes is going to play. You expect Jackson Hayes is going to be a lot more athletic than Steven Adams when he's at the Steven Adams point of his career. Jackson Hayes and Steven Adams both don't give any spacing. And the rest of the starting five, hear me out. Pelican starting five next, next year, assuming nothing crazy happens. Eric Bledsoe, I don't care how bad you think he was during the playoffs. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's not an amazing player, but he's the best point guard on their roster. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion, Steven Adams. And then their bench is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, and recent draft pick Kyra, Kira, Kyra Lewis Jr.? I think it's Kira, but yeah. So total shooters did not line up. One. (laughs) I'm looking at it. One. You know, Brandon Ingram, I think he shot 34% from three. Maybe he's a shooter. Lonzo shot 38% from, like, the right corner, and everyone was really excited about that. Because, I mean, I love, I love Lonzo, too. But, like, that's not, you know, being able to hit open corner shots, it's not – you're not a shooter like that. You're not taking enough shots. That, like, you're a shooter like that. Like, everyone is a suspect shooter at best. Like, Lonzo's a suspect shooter. Hart's a suspect shooter. Ingram's a suspect shooter. Zion hit four threes last season in the first game and then hit four threes – until the end of the season. Yeah. Adams, I don't think he's even shot four threes in his career. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, same boat, not a shooter. Jackson Hayes, not a shooter. Kyra, Kira Lewis, he's a rookie. I, I don't believe him. he was even a shooter in college. Like, you've got no shooters next to the most this, – this crazy offensive force that loves to go down low and beat people up. But you're going to get the, Zion, the, the Giannis issue here during the regular season. Because you can just have everyone camp the paint during the regular season. What's the point in going to close out on Eric Bledsoe at the three? Yeah, I I'm, I'm scared. I definitely think this team I mean, it has to be said they also brought in Stan Van Gundy. That's true. Rita, I like that hiring. I like that hiring a lot. I'm a big Stan Van guy. So I think they're going to be running a different team than we're used to seeing. And Stan does is pretty good at working with bigs for the most part. So... I think it'll be interesting how he uses Zion. And I – look, someone you, you didn't mention on the roster who's still there, Nicolo Melli, he's a good enough spacer for them is to he, run some backup four or five. Not is, to play any but is he, is he a good enough backup four or five that can play with Zion without them giving up 150 points? <sighs> yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful <laughs> sigh right there. Come on, we all watched Nico Melli play. That dude can shoot. <laughs> Mostly, Not the greatest but, defender. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna have him and Zion playing four or five, two undersized, slow-footed dudes. Slow-footed, two undersized dudes at the four and five. Or you're gonna I have Melly at the three, and then leave threes to go wide open range. You can't play Melly and Zion together for more than a few minutes. I'm still of the opinion that Zion Williamson can potentially play the three in the NBA, depending on how Stan Van Gundy wants to run it, just because he has that ability in the open court. I think where offensively they're not going to be running really any half-court sets. 
that are going to involve him playing that position. But on just in a transitional and just like on the court type thing, I think it could could happen here or there. I'm excited to see what Stan does. But I I think you're right in saying that they really are just trying to put together talent on a roster. But I don't know if their direction is anywhere really. They're they're relying on JJ Redick and Nikhil Alexander Walker to hit all their shots. I think. Yeah. And Nikhil Alexander Walker is not a very good shooter. Mm-hmm. I think they, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of room for improvement on this team. Josh Hart can get better as a shooter. Knock mm-hmm. can get better as a shooter. Zoe can get better as a shooter. You know? Well, will they? Will, will that's they? The thing. That's a the lot question. of question marks. That's a lot of question marks to trade with the Thunder and not take the big that can shoot threes. You know? Yeah. Like, like at least take Al Horford to get the big that can shoot threes and because he could mentor Zion to be an undersized five, but whatever, that's, that, that's semantics. I, I think that's not semantics, but it's, uh, you know what it is? It doesn't matter. It's hypotheticals. I mean, so I got to ask though, what's the ceiling? What is the ceiling on this team? You know, like I, I don't see them. I don't see any reality where they get, I'm going to start calling the top eight season at large bid. How about that? Or top six okay. at large. I don't know. I gotta figure out the wording. Mm-hmm. Call top six and at top six at large bid to the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see any chance of getting that large bid to the playoffs. I don't even see them getting a higher, a higher playoff, uh, a higher play-in seed. I don't see them with the seven or eight. I think at best they're looking at a nine or ten. If Zion plays every game, Zion plays well every game, and Ingram plays well, and everyone plays well. I don't see them beating the nine ten. And I'm gonna run through some teams unless unless you have a better opinion than me. Do you? I gotta know. I'm in that same boat. I think they they could finish in a higher play-in seed depending on what Zion, B.I., and, and Lonzo do because I think that is a very interesting building trio for the future because we know Zoe to be able to take that next step. He's proven it at every level except the NBA, so is he ever going to become an elite NBA player? We've yet to see. And then Brandon Ingram's coming off the best season of his career, so he should be up there. He's playing for an all-star position in the Western Conference, which is going to be tough. He's going to be their guy. So if him and Zion are really both up there averaging 20-plus, Lonzo's looking at 10 assists, 5-4, like they'll be a competitive team and they'll be an exciting team. But I, I don't think that's enough to yeah. even be a top 10. Like, hear this out. Hear this out. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. No particular order. Top eight. Eight teams that I will pencil in as the top eight. Mm-hmm. Warriors, Clippers, mm-hmm. Nuggets, Lakers, Blazers, Jazz, Mavericks, and I'm going to wait until we hear if there's a trade and what the package is, but the Rockets, if they trade Harden for Joel, Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons or any player that's actually good, I'll pencil them in as a top eight. Telling you that right now. Maybe I should put them in this next group probably, but still, I'm penciling them in at least to make the play-in. Now the next three teams, I'm going to call the next three up to round out a top 11. The Grizzlies, the Suns, and the Spurs. I don't see Pop missing the playoffs twice in a row unless he retire and not retiring at the end of the year. That dude's going to go crazy. It's his last year at the Rosen and LaMarcus Aldridge. They are going to try and make a playoff push, or Pop is going to retire trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got those three teams all on the up and coming, all have a lot of upside. And then I put the Pelicans closer to, like, the T-Wolves. Or like the Kings, where like something needs to break well for them to make it. But there's 11 teams that I count on them on making that spot. And I just want to say, if Al Horford plays well, Shai Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort take another step forward, I don't see OKC falling out of the playoffs. 
They've got a roster. Shai Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, an open spot, Trevor Ariza, Al Horford. That has potentially be really nice. And that open spot could be Pokoshevsky, Hamiu Diallo, Basley, Ferguson, Justin Jackson. They have a lot of young talent. All they need is one young talent to hit off as an above average starter. And that's a good starting five with an all right bench. They've got George Hill on that bench too. They could start George Hill. Like they've got a roster that could almost make a playoff push that I would count on making a playoff push as much as I count on the Pelicans making a playoff push. How about that? I I think that's slanderous towards the Pelicans. I don't think the OKC Thunder are, are looking to make the playoffs. I don't think they have a team that can I, push for the playoffs. I, Al Horford I don't think that they're gonna, is the worst back worst front court I've heard of in the NBA in a long, long time. Hey, hey, if Al Horford can play like Celtics Al Horford – that's a very that's a very strong defensive defensive centerpiece, alongside one of the most terrifying defensive backcourts in the league. I think that's enough to win regular season games. But I'm just gonna say that I imagine that if Horford and George Hill and Ariza are all playing like productive NBA players, they are all gonna get moved for first round picks. I don't actually see the Thunder making the run, but I didn't see them making it last year. And who who knows who knows what kind of magic they can conjure up? Those they've got some guys on that team that can play, that can flat out play. Uh, no, I'm not even going to think about the Thunder as a team that's going to make the playoffs. I don't agree. If they if they're there at the end of the season, you can hate me later. But they're looking at last year. I don't know what they had the 0.2 percent chance. They're going to be a hundred percent less chance to make the playoffs this year for the OKC Thunder. As much as I love SGA and Lou. That's not going to be able to bring them there. I don't think Horford and Reese are going to be able to do anything. And then I look at these other – you said the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs, and probably the Rockets amongst teams that are going to be competing for that play-in spot, realistically. And I see Zion and B.I., are they better than LaMarcus and DeMar at this point in their careers? Would you rather have Zoe and Bledsoe or DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills? I think there's a lot of similarities with that Spurs roster. They're just a lot older than them. So, in my opinion, I think they could take on the Spurs, but it is pop, so you never really know. And then the West is going to be a battle all year, so the Pels are going to have the work cut out for them. I think they're going to struggle a lot on the defensive end. I hope that's what they brought in Steven Adams to help them with, and that's what Stan Van Gundy is going to try to help them with. So, if they, if they play with some pace and are able to play defense well enough, I think they're going to be in close games down the stretch, and they have the kind of team that – is not necessarily going to make shots down the stretch, but I think they're going to be able to make plays down the stretch and that can keep them in games, even See, if they don't have a necessarily a go-to shot maker. And if Brandon Ingram turns into that late-game yeah. late guy, then they'll have a real shot at making the playoffs, I think. See, here's my fear, though, with the, with the playoff push. Do we trust Zion to show up in shape? This is the third season start. I'm counting the bubble season start. So it was the start of last season, the start of the bubble, the start of this season. I think even his start of season at Duke, but he actually did when he was at Duke, where apparently he has leaned down, slimmed down, and looks his best, and is da-da-da-da-da, athletic free, all this. Do, I don't trust it. I don't trust that at all. I'm just going to say I don't trust him to show up in shape. I don't trust him to stay in shape. And can he really be this transcendent player if he's not in shape, if he's missing games, he's barely played We've heard, we heard rumors that Wall and Clay's rehab were not done with max effort. 
what's to say Zion is using max effort to take care of his body? His marketing is already worth more money than either of those two guys who both have their own signature shoes. A Zion signature shoe would sell right now. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. What if he gets injured again? Like, he can get injured again and be done for the season. What if he keeps getting injured and he throws it to, like, I mean, knock on wood. Thank you for the wooden desk. Like, what if this is, like, an Odin situation where he's just injured every season? Like, I hope not. That's the worst. That's mm-hmm. That makes me sad just to say. I mean, like, I've you know, injury-riddled guys, like, I, my knees hurt all the time. I, I, I hurt. It hurts to say it, but it's a possibility. Like, I've been injured so often. So is this a team that Ingram can show up and make work on his own? Is there, like – there's a chance this team is going to be really, really, really bad if, like, all their injuries start flaring up, all the back-to-backs and the short schedules get to them. Like, this could be really bad for these guys. Like, they could really not have a strong season, which leads to this next point. They they have the second most national TV games in the league with in the first half league for the first half of the season with 14. That's a lot of money to be riding on Zion. It's why I say I think he could have his own shoe deal right now. Like, that's more that's more TV games than the Miami Heat, who just made the finals and are in one of the biggest media markets in the United States. They, like, they have more national TV games than the Grizzlies, the Hawks, and the Nuggets combined. Zion barely played last season. If, if he doesn't show up, that's that game's going to be a dud. Am I wrong? Like, who's tuning in to watch Brandon Ingram? Like, nationally, no one, right? Here's the thing. I think Brandon Ingram can continue to take a next step and be one of those guys that you do want to see. I and hope so. For the fucking – for the bottom <laughs> margin, I hope. Oh, my God. Because there's nothing in his career, really, that doesn't point towards the trend of he's becoming a better basketball player. He's working on his game. And he fits the NBA mold right now. He's a big guy. He can shoot it. He can handle the rock. And if he puts on a little bit more weight this offseason. Saying that for seven years. Keeps his jumper. But he has been putting on weight slowly. There's guys who are lanky that don't fill out. Like Kevin Durant never filled out to, to put hey, on Katie weight. Is low key big. Katie, Katie is low-key big. And you I can't think Brandon, on his size. Brandon Ingram's going to get to that point, I think, where he's going to become a guy that's a little bit more just filled out has a little bit more meat on his bones, and he's going to be a bit of a force to reckon with. And the Zion injury thing, I mean, look, I think Zion came into Duke, had a great season with them, was in great shape when he was there. When he started his season last year after the rehab, he came back in the second half, and he was really good when he played. And that was the biggest knock on him was that he never played or he didn't get enough games in last season. And then he came to the bubble, and he looked, fat it's easy to say his cheeks added about 15 pounds and he was just like what's going on like this guy has got two mcdonald's mcdoubles in his mouth right now on an nba <laughs> floor i don't understand like, i i do Mr. believe Moment. in zion's ability to come back healthy i think he's gonna be strong he's a guy that he's been a sensation for five, six, seven years now on the internet since he's been in sophomore in high school, maybe. He's been making dunk tape. So I think he's going to come out and it's time for him to really show himself at a, an NBA level. You saw a lot of rookies, a lot of young guys are stepping up nowadays in the NBA. I think John Moran, one of those guys we're going to talk about a little no. bit later, is going to have a great second season. And I think Zion's going to be pushing him 
the whole way. So yo, I can't be sharing notes with you anymore. You always steal my takes before I can even say them. <laughs> I, I'm not even reading it down. I swear. Yeah, 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 yeah. For those that don't know, we share a Google Doc, but I don't think we're going to anymore. <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm the one who suggested the Zion versus Jaw comparison. So uh... did you, I, I stole this from Rashad Phillips? I'll own that. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, I think Zion's gonna have. A, I think Zion's gonna have a good second season. I think the Pelicans have way too many national TV games. It doesn't make sense for them to have fourteen. It's like the same amount as the Bucks, the Nets, the Warriors. Like you're talking about major teams in the NBA. Like the Clippers, I think have fourteen, and the Pelicans are there. Or just there's there's teams with zero where the Pelicans have fourteen. It doesn't make sense. And I yeah. do agree. A lot of those games are gonna be boring because they probably will have to rest Zion. The NBA load management, they're going to do it. It's going to happen. So you're going to have a national TV game that's like Pelicans against the <sighs> I just hope that Lakers they can flex those out. I hope that they can flex out like the Pelicans. Like, I don't have the list of the games the Pelicans are playing on national TV. Mm-hmm. But like, man, they need to flex out some of those. There's some games of those 14 that are definitely subpar and need to be flexed out. Like yeah. if there's no Zion or Ingram and they're playing the Lakers, don't don't put that on. Let's go see what the Wizards are doing. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal is going to be much watch, must watch TV. But more importantly, like, how does Trey Young have none? Trey Young has no or one one national. What? Where's the where's the list? Whatever. He has like almost no games. John Morant almost no games. Murray and Jokic were electric. The conference finals were going crazy. People loved watching them. People love Nikola Jokic. You can't tell me otherwise. People love Jamal Murray because he's handsome and Canadian. We love we love him. How are they not getting more games? Trey Young was an all-star starter in his second year with a team that was garbage. He clearly has market pull. Look at the numbers of his national like you can he got voted to the starter. That's evidence of market pull. Not only that, the Hawks are actually good this year. Trey Young could not play, and they could still win. They have two starters at every position. And you're telling me that these Pelicans, that could be the 13th seed if their luck falls like all falls only all right. Like, they could have an average season for them. And they'll be the 13th seed if, like, one of those bottom feeder teams we're talking about goes off. They get 14, but Trey Young gets one? No sense to me. But the more disrespectful is the job. He's the reigning rookie of the year. He beat Zion for that award. He's the best player on his team. Unilaterally, unevocably, no discussion. Better player, best player on his team, unlike Zion. And he only gets three games? Three? How? The Grizzlies were the eighth seed last year. The Pelicans came to the bubble and died. They stunk. They were so bad, it was an embarrassment to the league. When they played, they were the first team to get eliminated on the same night as the Sacramento Kings, who are in the middle of a 14-year playoff drought. Stop disrespecting Ja. This dude is going to be a top three and top five point guard in the league in the next few years. Don't disrespect him. I just want to also give a shout-out to him. He's the only person who's posted an off-season glow-up that I actually believe. He put on five pounds of muscle this off-season, and I believe that. You tell me you put on 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. I don't believe you. Just said, I put on five pounds. I'm like, you wouldn't lie about that. That's five pounds. That's barely anything. But you know what? When you're a wiry guy like Josh, that's big. Because he already was a good defender, good enough defender. That five pounds is going to make a difference, and it's going to keep adding up. Yeah, and I mean, I, speaking of wiry guys, I think Brandon Ingram's going to make the same kind of weight additions, and it's going to help him the same way. But we'll, we'll – 
move over to the Memphis Grizzlies a little bit and John Moran, because I, I am a big John Moran fan as well. I do think that he's going to be one of the elite point guards in this league probably sooner rather than later. I would not be surprised to see him earn a, a voted-in all-star spot in the Western Conference this year because the guards are going to be outrageously tough. But he's going to be an electrified guy. We already saw him. His rookie season, he has attempted posters over Anthony Davis, Kevin Love. Like, Everybody. This, this guy will jump no with fear. everyone no and fear. everyone. And I think he'll be – him and his Memphis team is going to have a lot to play for this year. And they have a lot of good pieces and an interesting lineup. I think they had Taylor Jenkins, I'm pretty sure, as their coach. It was his rookie season last year, and he stepped in, had a couple – they made a little bit of a run. I mean, they were that eight seed. They had to play in the – Lost, obviously, but he's going up against Damian Lillard. I don't know what else you expect. It's like a tough, tough scene when you're a rookie. But yeah, <laughs> I Especially really like Jaron Jackson. Like, oof. yeah, I really like some. Like, they didn't make many moves this offseason, but they brought in guys like Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman out of the draft, who they traded to get. I know you're big fans of both of those guys. I really like Desmond Bain as a shooter for them. Xavier Tillman's another guy who could play that like four, five, three. They, al- just- they also got Killian Tilly, who was getting lottery looks before he started the injury issues. If he winds up not being injury riddled, this is a guy that is a lottery talent that they got on a two-way. Yeah, and he's their a roster, high- and, and their roster was already strong and deep last year. Mm-hmm. Like they they had players at every position, and they just added three more dogs, three more guys that are about to work. Come in there and work. Those are all the kind of guys that you want on your squad, no matter what. No, I, I'm surprised that these guys fell so low. Desmond Bain, Tillman, and Tilly. Those are guys that you just want. Like maybe you not know, if you're a contending team because you don't want to have that faith in them yet. But if you're like, damn, I need an eighth guy. I'll take Xavier Tillman. I'll roll the dice on that. That guy goes hard. You yeah. want a guy like that? Maybe not someone that's so young if you're competing, but a guy in that mold. And the Grizzlies are young. They have time to groom these guys, to make them become the kind of lunch pail, nose-down, hard worker guys that they are going to be when they are competing for championships. And not only that, the Grizzlies love these guys. Brandon Clark is the epitome of that guy. He had the second-best rookie season last year, was one of the best paint scorers in the league, and was a plus defender and a plus shooter. He is going to be a dog. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a dog. He's crazy. He is, if he could stop fouling every single time he is going to every time he gets driven against he's going to be one of the best big men in the league and that's that's my crazy opinion but if he has a little weight and works on not fouling he gets his handle a little more consistent he has one of the best handles of any big in the league i see him do stuff with the ball that i i don't see point guards being able to do like he is different. He, he already is Anthony Davis light. If he puts that all together, he might be better than Anthony Davis. He's already the se- second best big man shooter ever, shooting six and a half a game and hitting 39.5%. The only guy who's had a better shooting numbers in terms of percentage or anywhere near the volume is Carl Anthony Towns, who is setting absolute records for his shooting. His defense is elite when he doesn't foul. He, he can slide on the perimeter. He can guard the five. He can guard the one. He's different. He's different. He needs to work on his rebounding a bit, but he's different. Dan Anthony yeah. Melton should have been yes. paid as much as Bogdanovich. He's just as good a player. A little bit worse as a ball handler, but such a better defender. I, I, I cannot believe he got paid less than $10 million a year. That is a steal. I'm surprised the Bucs didn't try to sign him after the Bogdanovich thing fell through. He might be a little worse with the ball's hands, but, like, man, you got Giannis. Mm-hmm. 
Dylan Brooks is becoming more consistent. He's 24 years old right now, and every time this past season, when he scored 20, the Grizzlies won. And not like, oh, like 10 times. Like, he scored over 20, over 20 times, and they won every single time. I think it finished at, like, 28 or 29. I don't, we don't have a stat guy. I can't Google it. <laughs> but they won over 20 games every time he scored 20. Like, almost 30, I think. I, I can't find the exact stance. Man, that's, that, that's insane. And then they still have JV, Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson, Gorgie Jang, and Justice Winslow, who they can keep or they can pair with their treasure trove of assets to add another star. These Grizzlies are legit. They've got some dogs. They work. They work. Mm-hmm. Do not sleep on them. You yeah. might struggle, depending on how long Jackson misses this season. If he's out for, like, three months and they miss, like, 30 games of him, they might not make the playoffs because, like, just to lose, like, your second best player who, like, arguably your best player even, like, it's hard to stay in the playoffs. So if they don't make the playoffs this year, I'm not going to disrespect if Jackson misses a while. But, like, they still could make the playoffs without him. And then he'll be back, and I wouldn't – I'd bet on them getting a bid, like getting to the actual playoffs out of the play-ins. Yeah, no, I really do like the Grizzlies, the, the roster they put together right here. You mentioned the Deontay Melton signing in four years, $35 million. It's a great signing for them. They brought in, like, John Conchar and John Tay Porter on extended, oh, yeah. like, minimum deals. Those are great pickups. Those are great, great pickups. Yeah, they got, like, Lou Dort-style contracts. John is four years, $9 million. John Tay's three years, six. And all that is is two young guys that work hard are in the NBA, and it's like, you know what? We'll give them long-term, cheap deals. And if one or two years from now they blossom into even good bench players, you're paying $2 million for someone who's given you good bench minutes. So mm-hmm. automatically it's a good signing for them. I really like those extended minimum signings. It's not the best for players, obviously, because you don't get as much money as you could. But for teams to be able to put together mm-hmm. rosters, I think they're great signings. And, and the last years for both of their deals are not guarantees. Mm-hmm. Like, the last – like, wow. I'm surprised. I mean, it's – I think they're both just happy to still be in the league. Like, those exactly. deals were signed later into the offseason. I don't think they were getting looks from other teams that were going to offer them the same opportunities. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're looking at, like, from the Grizzly standpoint, those are steel contracts with an easy way out. And, I mean, if you're John Contra, you know, you probably were going to go to Europe or you probably were going to be in the G League. If you're Jonte Porter, like, you were just hoping not to fall out of the league with all your injury issues. And now, look, you got two years guaranteed to fix mm-hmm. yourself and get playing. You know, I, I, I think those were great works, moves too. for everybody. A team that works and has a spot for you. Like, if you're Jonte Porter, they have, they have Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark as their big rotation. Xavier Tillman and Killian Tilly and you, Jonte Porter, are fighting to be the next guy – in that big man rotation once, J- once JV leaves, if he doesn't take a pay cut, which I don't imagine he will, or he doesn't chase a ring, which I imagine he will chase a ring. Mm-hmm. But you've got a shot to step into that role in yeah. a few years, and you've got time to build up a res- reputation, get good, get strong, and get NBA ready before that comes. So that's big. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big appealing factor to a lot of young guys that don't – a lot of young guys that don't know that they're going to be centerpieces of the league – seeing where you can fit in and seeing like the Brandon Clarks and the DeAnthony Melton's pan out. And even Javon Carter, who was traded, like he was panning yeah. out. They traded him and he panned out. Mm-hmm. They took care of him. They sent him somewhere where he was going to be able to participate. They gave, they gave Josh Jackson a shot, even though he, a lot of teams weren't like they, they clearly were. It, it means a lot for the culture of a team 
when they're signing young guys and the young guys are giving that vote of confidence and it makes them comfortable. It makes the team comfortable and the players comfortable. Yeah, and I think the Grizzlies are going to have a lot of interesting lineups they can roll out next year. Like, I look at a small ball lineup where you have John DeAnthony in the backcourt, Dylan Brooks at the three, Brandon Clark, J- Triple J in the front court. That's going to be insane. I think they, they rolled that lineup, lineup out. They rolled that lineup yeah. out, and it wins. It <laughs> wins. How do you stop it? Because Brandon, man, Brandon Clark is unstoppable down low. I think he shot 73%. I don't have the number in front of me. Mm-hmm. From, like, zero to three feet. John Morant, insane down low. Dylan Brooks score anywhere. De'Anthony Melton score anywhere. Like you know, all these guys are like three level scorers. Everyone on that lineup is at least an average three level scorer. Like that's crazy. That is craziness. And then even to have a guy like John. Oh wait, Chaz froze. This is I don't Winslow, know. who I think still could have been able repeat to repeat that. Repeat that. You froze. You froze. My bad. My bad. They still have uh, Justice Winslow, young guy, could still have a resurgence to his NBA career. I still see him as a viable point forward. He can play defense. Mm-hmm. He can run your ball for you. And it's just like the team that they're putting together, they're going to be good. They're going to be fighting. They're going to be one of those teams that even with only three national TV games, they're going to be playing a lot of close games, a lot of exciting games down the stretch. And you're going to be checking games on a, on a Tuesday night and see you know, Memphis, Utah, and all, it's 122 to 126 with, Two minutes left. It's like, let me tune into this game right now. Oh, Hold yeah. They're, they're a top 10 league pass team in my eyes. Them them and the Wizards, those are two teams that I want on my league pass. I'd put the Lakers, but they have 16 national TV games. You're going to see most of their games already. Yeah, and I think John Morant, I mean, he's going to have a really good second year. Even his rookie season, almost 18, seven and a half and four with the steal and three turnovers a game. I won't be surprised to see his turnovers stay around three, maybe even go a little bit down. And then I think everything else is, is trending up for him. Like, he's going to be a high scorer. He's got more pieces and better shooters around him than he did last year. And he's going to be able to, and to get He's just going to get run. better. He's, just yeah. gonna, he's a worker. That guy's a worker. Like, like that guy works. Mm-hmm. That guy works, and you can't sleep on that. A lot of these guys, they work, but they, they work. They go to – I don't want to dish on Rico Hines, but, like <laughs> – you know, they go to Rico Hines and they're like, oh, I ran for like three hours today. I worked. I got better. No, you didn't. Unless you're James Harden and you're trying out crazy step back moves because your bag, your scoring bag is just so different that practicing stuff only in practice isn't enough for you. That you need to be able to go on a real defender to practice your crazy moves. Like, unless you're at that level, just running fives isn't enough. No, John Morant no. went to IMG, trained with Coach Dan Bardo and the rest of the coaching staff there. He got Bounceology with UJ. Like, I mean, shout out UJ. I really hope I can get you on the pod, man. Miss you, Coach. Like, they got – he got work, and he got better. Mm-hmm. And they tracked it. They, they, if, if, if they were legally allowed to le- release it, I wish they, I wish they would, but they, they, they're not legally allowed to. But he yeah. definitely – you could – he definitely got better. I've seen the plans that they put together for players. He definitely got better. There's no way you can show up and do this and not get better. He's going to show up, have worked his butt off all summer. He'll get his runs in. He definitely is still getting in runs every now and then, but he's going to get runs in with the guys. He doesn't need runs after this shortened off season. He needs to get better. And he's going to be showing up this season better. Yeah. No, for sure. I think John Ryan's one of those guys where you talk about a, a empty gym worker, or someone who just wants, who lives in the gym. And I think that's what the Memphis Grizzlies are really trying to build here. They're just trying to build together a team that wanted to just work hard together. They can do it 
whatever there's they can get the five in there they can get the two three guys just working hard and now they're going to be able to put together a team with more young guys who come from hard working schools who want to play hard and get a chance to run and they're going to be like you turn into workouts and one or two guys are there three hours early you're going to see a whole Memphis Grizzlies team there at five in the morning getting working because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the type of guys they are and I think that's going to be something that's going to help them build towards a team that down the stretch are probably going to be fighting for one of those playing seeds but when it gets into the nitty-gritty of the you got to win two or you got to win one to get into the playoffs the Memphis Grizzlies are going to have been through it together already mm-hmm. for other teams are going to have to have find themselves throughout the season I think Memphis is going to be pushing and they're going to be ready to the point where it gets to the end of the season they've played in tight games they've played together so much and they practice so much that they'll have the confidence and I hope I'm excited Coaching, to see them make the playoffs I'm excited to see them oh, yeah. get there because I think once you do you're going to have guys like John Moran Jaron Jackson Jr. put them on the biggest stage it's going to be an exciting time. Like, this is, that's not a team that I ever want to play in a first round. It's two, John Morant, who's probably a future MVP in this league, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who could be a future defensive player of the year. You're looking at And they're, just, guys. they're built for playoff success. Like, they're yeah. built for playoff success. I'm going to need to redo my segment. It was the last one I think I did on my SoundCloud. So go check it out. Don't have on SoundCloud. But, like, that's a team that's built for success. And I, I delved into the numbers, and I explained the nitty-gritty – but having a three-level scorer who can who can dish the ball at the and to start your offense, and then having a big defensive big that can play on the perimeter on offense, but can guard your one through five on defense. That's this. That's a recipe for making the finals. That's a recipe for winning the finals. And every team that's been winning has done that. Every single team, no exceptions, none. I'll take you through it on my old podcast. I'll bring it back. I'll record it again. No exceptions. They've done that. And they've done that with multiple players. Brandon Clark, too. Jaron Jackson. Like, maybe Jonte Porter, if he comes back full strength. Like, him, too. They have guys that are going to do it. Yeah. And this, this wouldn't be a ball talk episode if we didn't bring you some breaking news out of the sports world. So, there's, there's two things. Firstly, there's a major thing I'll get to in a second. I saw a quote somewhere that said John Wall confirmed that James Harden wants to stay in Houston, so that confirms oh that God. he is out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got me in the first half. I ain't gonna lie, you got me in the first half. <laughs> and then uh, Floyd, the undefeated King Mayweather, I think announced on his Instagram just a few minutes ago that he is going to be fighting Logan Paul. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> The real, the real loser, the real loser of tonight is Nate Robinson. <laughs> no matter what happens, the real loser is Nate Robinson. <laughs> the real loser is Nate Robinson and everyone that's going to pay for that pay-per-view showing of that fight. Cause I'd, like, Logan Paul couldn't even beat KSI, who's just another YouTuber who boxes. Like, why are you fighting Logan? Why, why, why are, are you fighting, fighting him, Floyd? Go, Floyd, go fight James Johnson. That'd be more fun. Yeah, come on now. I mean, look. Logan Paul's obviously got to do it to get his bag. He needs to get his money up. Floyd Mayweather, I don't know why he agreed to this. I guess he's going to fall into the Honestly, I bet he's getting a fat bag. Oh, yeah. And he, like, knows that, like, Logan Paul's not going to be able to hurt him for real. He'll just go. He'll play some good defense. He'll take a few hits, give a little for the crowd, and then, like, he'll, you know, yeah. win by decision or he'll knock out Jake Paul. But, like, or that he throws the fight. If you're making the smart money, the smart money is to put a bet on Logan or Jake, whatever his name is, Paulie. Paulie boy, you put the money on Paul right now because uh, those trailer fights, I don't believe that they're not scripted. That draw, 
that draw is the proof for me that these fights are scripted. So my yeah. money's on Paul. My money's on just – I'm not putting any money on this fight. That's a smart move. I don't know why Floyd Mayweather's doing this. It's, it's weird. It, I don't understand. The only thing I'll say about it is Logan Paul is also like 6'4 or something like that. Like there's a significant height and weight advantage that he has right now. I don't know what their fighting weights are going to be. I assume he's going to get that down. But he is a bigger guy with his – he's got a wrestling background or whatever. I'm not going to support the Paul. I'm never going to say anything good about these guys. I think they're both idiots on the internet. But look, his younger brother clearly knows how to throw a few punches. So I don't think he'll be a terrible boxer. But he, this is Floyd Mayweather we're talking about. Like, there's a reason <laughs> Floyd Mayweather is undefeated. It's he's not just beating up random guys here and there. He's he's winning world championships consistently defending them. I don't know what the point of this fight is. I guess people are just bored. It'll be in 2021, though, so it'll be a whole different world. Yeah. All right. I don't want to talk about that anymore. That makes me sad. <laughs> Floyd, come on, man. You could do better. At least fight like James Johnson. That'd be more fun. Fight someone who can actually fight. Come on. Yeah. But I think that's Ball Talk, baby, for today. Uh, coming to you live. It's about 6, well, not live, 6.30 p.m. on a Sunday night. Uh, man, Chaz, always good to hear from you, my man. Always good to get you on this. Great to great to have you, man. Great to have you. Man, be here. I'm excited for these lockdowns to end so we can start hanging out again, maybe film these in person. But for yeah. now, we're going to keep it up on Zoom. Hopefully getting another episode to you, to the people, Thursday morning, I hope, or Friday morning. I don't know. I got to talk Wednesday morning. I got to talk to Chats. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're still building a consistent schedule, but it's fine. NBA preseason starts next week. Ooh. Ooh. The 11th. All right, I'll first game is Friday, so you'll you'll definitely hear about it on next uh, Monday's episode. Monday's we'll awesome. preseason. We'll have some preseason NBA basketball to discuss. Woo. Lots of lots of hard hitting analysis about stuff <laughs> that definitely matters. Woo! Let's talk about the bubble before the playoffs starts. Woo! Ugh! All right, thank you everyone for tuning in. Have a good night. It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Baby, 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 baby.